You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 88 covering Hollow Pursuits and The Most Toys with Chris Coleman. Hello, friends. We have a treat for you this week. We have a new guest that we have never had before, not counting the time we recorded and things got messed up and we had to try it again. <laughs> never had him before. Never been on the show before. Our pal Chris is here. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello. Uh, and uh, live long and prosper and hopefully do not have to record this again. <laughs> Don't say that. Ah, yes, the old Vulcan proverb. <laughs> <laughs> only, only Nixon could re-record a podcast twice. <laughs> It sounds a lot That's better. That's what we need to do. We need to set up a taping system in all our houses, and then just uh, then we'll always have a constant record, that just like Nixon lot, did. That sounds a lot better than the original Ferenginar. The, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, now, now, you have uh, chosen a very particular episode to start with uh, because uh, apparently you have a, a particular connection to it. I do. Uh, uh, um, my, my college professor, Sarah Higley, uh, who took the who took the uh, uh, pseudonym Sally Caves to write this episode? Mm-hmm. Wrote it and uh, and it, it aired while I was uh, uh, a student of hers at the University of Rochester. Very nice. Was she? Did really she just cool. come to class like jumping up and down? Yay! Sold a spec script. We no. Um, you had to. You had to. Uh, you had to kind of know her and and have and and it, and it wasn't like a. It wasn't like you had to be really fraternal with her, but you had to kind of show that you were your nerd credentials. She sure. was one of those. Mm-hmm. She was one of those uh, professors, or she is one of those professors that is partial to nerds and will uh-huh. socialize with you if you if you show your. your oh, nice. Your, your you're part of the fraternity. You're part of the club. <laughs> yes, your geek. If your geek Which, flag flew, then, then yeah. uh, that's good noticed, for you. I noticed you were reading Q-squared while you were waiting for the class to start up. <laughs> Let's talk. Yeah, back, the, back before the internet, what you had to do was walk up to someone and quote Monty Python at them and hope they knew what the <laughs> fuck you were talking about. It was like yep. geek sonar. One of the uh, so, one of the people so many sh- people were sent to asylums over that. Yeah, unfortunately. Her geek so cr- many de- unnecessarily dead. <laughs> we have a wing of people who just say knee. We don't know what the <laughs> hell the problem is. Her her geek uh, creds came from the fact that she herself had gone to college, uh, I think at Berkeley, with the guy who played the Phoenix, and and therefore Khan's like second in the movie. Uh, oh, nice! Oh, that guy! Right? Very yeah, cool. yeah! 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 Uh, what was his name in the uh, Joaquin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I think Which is that. weird, Joaquin Phoenix. That's right. very yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but no, that's very cool. Um, yeah. Was she one of? The, do you know? Was she one of those people who was like a big fan of the original series and the? She wasn't. Wanted to get involved, or? I, I I was at her house one time and mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, oh, so original? you did get chummy? <laughs> Just yeah, no, no, it was. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I was, scratched out. I was, I was, <laughs> I was with a group, and we were and we were flipping through the channels, and the original series came on, and I could I'm like many of us, and I don't I don't I don't credit this as a superpower. Like many of us, I can identify the original series by the color um, mm-hmm. of, of uh, the, the specific uh, Technicolor that they used, or whatever kind sure. of color they used. You can identify it in the in you know in a in a nanosecond, in in, in a oh, very absolutely. short. Absolutely, and in, in fact, in the uh, in the restored HD ones, it's it's almost blinding. Mm-hmm. Right. Those right. like the the primary colors they use is just it's it's really unique. And no, I, it, it has a very sort of distinctive look to it. It's almost like an old comic strip or something. Yeah. Right. It's, and you know, and and she was impressed with that, and and her impression said to me that she wasn't as familiar with the original series as I was, and I'm not that huge a fan of the original series. 
Well, no, in to, fact, you had to, mentioned, to, yeah. uh, to, to toot our own horns briefly, you had mentioned that listening to us actually made you, like, not hate it anymore, which was... Uh, right, right. That's but, always nice to hear. Mm-hmm. But but also, I mean, I, I think I think that um, I think that the original series is a mixed bag, just like... Just oh, like absolutely. The, just like any of the series, really, except except maybe Deep Space Nine. Any of the yes. series... Well, DS9 had a, had a long stretch of serialization, which I think was better because it was consistently telling one story. Mm-hmm. But right, once you right. get to that you know alien of the week thing you're, you're really it's kind of a crapshoot right but I, I think that what your what your uh uh your first your your first season reviews did was show me where to go and where to look and that and that and that my the the mixed bag that had turned me off <laughs> was just was just that it was just as good as anything else it's just that you had to you had to get into it and 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 get those individual issues the individual episodes that were going to tell you what right was good about it and i and 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 i enjoy listening to you guys more more so than i enjoy figuring out whether or not i'm watching a good episode of star trek or not (laughs) well we Uh, definitely appreciate that i think maybe the highest praise the show's ever (laughs) yeah absolutely no and i think the problem is because you got to sit through at least one act to figure it out Mm -hmm. right whereas really you only need to listen to us for 15 minutes and you'll know you know and and even if you don't agree with us i'm not saying everything we say is good is good but i'm saying after a while, you get a feel for, okay, well, I hate the kind of episodes that Al likes. So if Al hated right. this episode, I might like it. You know, like, right. it's, it's not necessarily like we're right. But right. I think no, you can no. gradually I mean, get a feel are, for but... what we think. <laughs> and, you know. It's about trusting the reviewer. It's, 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 you might yeah. not always agree with Roger Ebert, but, but if you read a few of his reviews, you know where he's coming from. And, yeah, exactly. and you can gauge your own enjoyment. Well, and, that's, and that's the reason we try to bring on so many different guests is so we can bring in a different perspective. And it's not just me and Matt, you know, like uh, coming all over ourselves about the Doomsday Machine. You know, you get <laughs> other people to, to join the circle jerk. No, that's, and that's, that was what the book was for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. We've, we've wasted enough prolog, I think. Uh, <laughs> Chris, why don't you tell us about Hollow Pursuits? All right. Hollow it's Pursuits. In, it's high noon in 10-4, and we're introduced to Lieutenant Reg Barkley, a rough-and-tumble Starfleet officer who likes his fights rough and his trade rougher. I pity the fool that gets in his way. <laughs> After manhandling Jordy and Nails, he's cock-blocked with Troy by a call to the cargo bay. He stops the holodeck program? Bum? We were there the whole time! Barkley shows up to the cargo bay late, missing Jordy's complaints about him and Riker having dubbed him Broccoli, as per Wesley, <laughs> to learn that a space dolly is malfunctioning and could he maybe please stop masturbating long enough to take a look at it. He fails to fix it after daintily opening the control panel, prompting Jordy and Riker to complain to Picard about their newest private pile. Picard doesn't like the idea that Barkley won't show his war face and orders him to choke himself. Not with my hand, goddammit! <laughs> Picard condemns Jordy to be Barkley's best friend and to find a way to get the best contribution to Starfleet out of this drip. Jordy immediately puts Reg in a high-pressure meeting where his input is yet again cock-blocked by a young Wesley. Smash cut to Barkley, cold stroking it to Hollow Troy on the Hollow Deck. In ten forward, after Wesley fails to explain why Broccoli is a funny nickname, <laughs> it's cause he produces James Bond films. In the holodeck, am I right? Guys? A mass dribble cup outbreak proves even more deadly to comedy. <laughs> Barkley is assigned the shit detail to figure out what happened. Jordy, following the best friend directive, seeks out Barkley in the holodeck where he finds hollow versions of the Enterprise crew LARPing out the Holoquin romance novel version of the Three Musketeers. Swallowing his douche chills, Jordy agrees to keep Barkley's slash fiction of his colleagues to a, uh, a secret. Meanwhile, the weird problems aboard the Enterprise have spread to the transporter room. Barkley then has a counseling session with Troy where he's clearly carrying a concealed weapon if you get my boner. He flees to the holodeck again, making him late for his meeting about those pesky multiple malfunctions. 
Troy, Jordy, and Billy Boy go to the holodeck where they discover the Renfair Reg, asleep, has been running, replete with his hollow Troy wank subroutine. At this point, the warp injectors malfunction, and Barkley, well-rested and system jerk near free of man protein, figures out that it's O'Brien and one of the crew assholes that laughed at him earlier that have physically infected all of the malfunctioning systems. Jordy and Barkley freeze out the infection with cryonetrium. It cleans and suspends your animation, not intended for use with disbelief. <laughs> then, rather than replacing Troy with a guy who could actually help people work through their authority issues with unconventional sleeping schedules and vigorous monkey spanking, Barkley relegates himself to deleting almost all of his hollow porn except one program, which you just know involves Dirk Benedict somehow. <laughs> Very nice. I always, I always appreciate a good private pile reference. You threw a lot of good ones in there, but uh, that's the one that really grabbed me. <laughs> Not nearly enough Full Metal Jacket in our uh, Star Trek, I noticed. No, it's weird. I, I worked around Marines for a while, and you'd think they would not tr like to remember Boot Camp, and yet they quoted that movie all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that, I, I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I find that it gives people license to, to be politically incorrect, just just because of how flagrant... Oh, yeah, as long as you say it in an early Army voice, you're, you're golden. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was exactly. so passionate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so why don't we just roll right into your uh, good thing, bad thing? All right, this is... Uh... My good thing, I like the idea that the crew themselves can be replicated on the holodeck. I hadn't seen that sort of, and that and that, and that allowed the, the episode to fake us out. Sure. Um, it, and and it, it faked us out in the same way that the film Brazil does by giving us uh, mm. spoilers, uh, a few fake endings because we're mm -hmm. not aware that we're not. We're, we're oh yeah, there was the a few times set. where we cut to, to Barkley talking to Troy, and you think, oh well, now he's finally seeking counseling, and nope, no, nope. kisses her. So it's like, yeah. oh, and now he's got his tongue down his throat. Right, yeah, right. probably not. I also thought it was like time enough at last in that in that here's a guy who who would rather not be with people, and right. uh, I, I felt like Bur Burgess Meredith could use a holodeck. I think that uh, <laughs> especially especially because you know he could have gotten he could have read. I mean, it would allow mm -hmm. it would it would have for, forgiven his it would have uh, you know adjusted to his uh, his particular my, myopic uh, nature. <laughs> Oh, my glasses are broken. Oh, but it doesn't matter. I have a holodeck. Everything's fine. Exactly. I can just have the goddess of empathy read books to me exactly. for the rest of my life. Oh, I can finally have that holographic wife scream at me. Uh, is there a, is, Man, you uh, you do not want to feel a holodeck roll, rolling pin hit you across the head. That is not Computer good. increase rolling pin deadliness by 30%. <laughs> this is well within the safety parameters of the holodeck. Override. Uh, and your bad thing? So my bad thing is uh, I, I kind of have to call bullshit that the episode is constructed so that Barkley's deletion of all his holoporn is the is the uh, satisfying ending is the is a happy ending, mm -hmm. uh, pun, pun intended. I get I get I get that it's that it's that perhaps one of the messages of the episode is to tell fans that you should get outside and do other things, but this episode itself is delivering a message to deliver a positive outcomes in in Trek fans' lives. I think it's a little hypocritical to say that that what Reg Barkley is doing for entertainment might not have a positive outcome in his life. Mm. Look, look, basically I'm saying you can have my porn when you pride for my sticky crust. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. No, I, and, and the, um, I think it was Michael Piller, one of the producers, said we, we didn't really mean for it to be sort of a meta comment on fans. We looked at it after mm. the fact and said, oh, yeah. It kind of is. I guess we could be talking about escapism for socially awkward nerds, but that's not what we meant. Yeah. But, yeah, it kind all of is. Shit. I'm not super thrilled <laughs> with the idea that it's just like, well, if you're on the Enterprise, you better be working all the time. Well, and, and Picard very, you know, said, look, uh, on the Enterprise, like nobody's, yeah, everyone's perfect here. We're in Gene's perfect world. Uh -huh. 
And so, you yeah, know, they're all but, really but, shocked that anyone would have any problem at all, any neurosis, any, you know. What are you getting up to? Yeah. Well, why don't you just go put on a violin concert or something? <laughs> Exactly. Aren't you really good at an instrument? Chris, you mentioned what? that you like the idea that the crew could be replicated as, as people. I I mean, I like it. I think it's funny. But I don't know. It's it's a whole weird extrapolation of that of the technology that people could just have sex with whoever they wanted. And, you know, nothing, to, you know, I don't know. It's like the futuristic version of, of looking through somebody's uh, Facebook album and trying to find a picture of them in a bikini or something. You know, like, it's yeah, just, but, but it's a little unsettling. It is a little unsettling, but I, but I believe that uh, I, I believe in the in the maxim of uh, and no maxim pun intended that that um, <laughs> what what you don't know can't hurt you. I, I think that I think that one's porn and what what arouses one is is between them and God, uh, and 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 you learn that when you start to talk to somebody about what arouses them and it really fucking creeps you out. I and, can see that. And, you know, but the problem and, and, there is that there's no lock on the holodeck door though, so everyone knows. <laughs> The more, the more of this episode I watched, the more I feel like the guy who created the holodeck was incredibly naive when it came to stuff like this. Well, and right. that's, I think what that is is the second wave of writers showing up and poking holes in the, the perfect future and saying, no, if you had this, people would use it for this. It just, just this one guy who's like, no, I created this thing that'll make anything you want to see happen. Uh-huh. Use it for sex? What? No, what? that's not what I meant it for at all. I, I meant uh, detective no, adventures. No, this was so and you could take children on field trips, right? And train people in real for sex. You're gross. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, what about you, Matt? Good thing, bad thing. Uh, so, I really dug uh, Troy Riker and Jordy's acting on the holodeck when they go to uh, meet up with with Barkley. They oh, right. are hilarious. Yeah, there's a there's a great bit between. You know, uh, uh, Troy's like, no, you can't turn this off. It's a fantasy, and he's, he needs this. And you could cut off his whole support system. She just keeps saying that. And it's, it's very sort of telegraph comedy, but it's still really mm. funny because then inevitably you come to the whole of Troy, and she's like, turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> I, I like how angry, to, to speak to this a little bit, I, I like how angry Riker gets when he when he oh, finds yeah. out that Rich is in the holodeck. It, he, his head is at such an angle, it looks like he's trying to twist his own head off. Mm-hmm. He's so angry. He's, yeah, he's, when he sees there's a there's a tiny Riker, like because everyone's intimidated <laughs> by his height. There's a tiny little Riker that bounds out, and he's just right. yeah, he's furious. Right. Yes. Hey, and guard mm. <laughs> number one. Mm. No, it's it's fucking fantastic. Um, I, I, there's uh, a lot of good face acting there though too. Like there's oh there's yeah, good no, dialogue, Jordy is tremendous in this. Uh, Jordy, scene. yeah, Jordy just trying to face forward and not get involved and like. Look, and he even admits it to Barkley. Look, I've gotten up to some shenanigans in here before. I'm not going to judge the guy. I just want him to come to work on time. <laughs> I don't ask for much as head of engineering, okay? No, this guy has a shift, and I want him to work it, and I want him to be the best engineer he can, and I really don't care what he gets up to yeah. in there. Well, that, that Jordy's lips went to Juilliard. I don't know if you guys realize that. that uh, no. That, that <laughs> his, the rest of his face outside of his eyes. That all... <laughs> But I want to Juilliard. <laughs> there's a there's a picture from uh, from from this weekend's uh, San Diego Comic Con with um, Lavar Burton wearing googly eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a simple picture, but it's so fucking funny. And I'll I'll put a link to that just because uh, I don't think I like this new visor, Jordy. Yeah, <laughs> it's a delight. Uh, what about your bad thing, Matt? Uh, Barclay's always a really nice reminder that uh, Matt's not allowed on the Enterprise. Oh, did a lot we of his neuroses speak to you? We only want the best of the best, and the stuttery, socially awkward guy is not welcome. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can see it. Well, you know, you're you're in the military, and they are the best of the best. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, let's be honest. It's, we're we're pretty good people. It's just kind of sad to learn that no, we still ha- don't have anything that gets rid of uh, of anxiety issues. Yeah, we've cured poverty and and disease and war, but uh, no, people are still crazy. Sorry. Yep. yep. Sorry. Douchism. It's forever. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There is no cure for that. They didn't find the douche gene. <laughs> We're still suffering with it. No, they kicked him upstairs. Yeah, exactly. I was well, going, oh, Matt, you got it. You got nice. it before them. You got there before I did. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'll let, you can have the next one. <laughs> uh, so for me, like I said, this episode is a fantastic exploration of the kind of thing that would definitely happen if holodeck technology were real. Like we said, it's finally good to see that not everyone is perfect in, in Gene's future. If humans are weak, and some of them would totally get lost in a near-infinite fantasy world. Not even the porn aspect of it. Just we, we talked about this briefly. What if there was some kind of like a multiplayer like Warcraft game? Or what if there was, oh, a, yeah. you know, like people right. could totally fall down this rabbit hole and never come out? Right. Well... I mean, you give someone, you give people uh, a world that's better than the real world, and like it's going to be really hard to get them to come back. I, they did a whole red dwarf about this. Well, I, yeah, and we have the, I mean, we have that to a limited extent now with the internet, mm-hmm. right. where you can sit and browse for eight hours, and if you found good stuff, you, you don't even know the time has passed, and you don't even, you know, you just you don't have any idea. I, I mean, that might just be me, but. Uh... No, you can totally, like, poke your head up. It's been three weeks and your dog's dead. Yeah, exactly. Goddamn dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> Two. <laughs> uh, but, no, it, it just it feels like Barkley would not be the only one. And they hinted at this with, with Jordy and Leah Brahms, but it's nice to see head on that, you know, no, really, people are just, uh, it'll make them crazy if they're weak. And uh, yeah. I think it would have been a really ballsy move to make Wesley the one. Mm-hmm. Because he's seventeen and he has holodeck, he has access to holodeck technology. Yep, mm. and he has to sit next to Troy every day. Yeah, no, and 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 wear a rainbow outfit. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. totally humiliated. Like he's got that aspect as well. Yep, but no, in this episode, he actually just gets to be the smarmy. Like Bar- oh. Barkley's even getting talked down to by a child, and that's just enough is enough. You, you know? just want to smack him in the face for that scene. Yeah. Well, gee, well, gee, Reg, if you did it this way, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you've been in engineering for ten minutes. Don't tell me how to do my job, kid. Why don't you go sit in the corner and eat pie? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a reference to a painting, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, what the hell was it called? Was it Blue Boy? Yes, maybe. I don't know. I think it was. I think uh, the, a lot of his fantasy stuff was based on different things, like the, Chris said, the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if the Goddess of Empathy is from any one particular thing, but it. But uh, I really hope it was, and I love the idea that uh, Reg just decided to make that up. Right. <laughs> that would be okay. Too. Well, I mean, come on. If Jordy could spend three weeks building his Coco Nono fantasy, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure Reg has spent far more time. I mean, whatever the hell program number nine is. <laughs> Coco Nono yeah, that's like, like his masterpiece horn. probably so you know Which... uh, and my bad thing I, well Barkley's a good character and Dwight Schultz is great when he's playing fantasy Barkley with the confident swagger that you know I'm the I'm the tough guy here and nobody mess with me but uh, when he gets stammery when he uh, 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 commander I, uh, uh, it just uh, it's like dinner theater dinner theater level acting shorthand for I'm nervous and it seems like he could do more with with it than what he does yeah I, I sound like Kiff yeah, yeah I, I agree with that a little bit it's, it's very much like when the the playmate uh, or the or the ex model plays the plays has to play the uh, ugly girl in the beginning of the movie by putting mm-hmm. on glasses, and and Dwight Schultz is an actor so extroverted uh-huh. uh, that it, it's it's difficult for him to play introverted. So so right. it comes across as something that that's very sort of amateurish and very much 
uh, a lingerie model with glasses on. <laughs> Which, you know, to me makes them hotter, but I get your point. Yes. Mm. yes. I wonder how much of that stuttering was actually in the script and how much of that was his, like, acting choice. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it was only a 30-page script that uh, his stuttering <laughs> was out to the full hour. <laughs> No, I just, it's, I get it. And, and I can hear all of us, like all three of us, as we speak in this conversation, we all have a bit of a stutter, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not so pronounced. It's not so obvious. And I don't know, there, there are a lot more subtle things he could do. Like most of this cast is good at selling those subtle moments. Like we were saying yeah. on the holodeck, they can really sell the, oh God, I'm embarrassed or I'm angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he, he kind of telegraphs it a little too much, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope by the time he comes back, he sort of, they've sort of, mm. you know, worked through that a bit. I remember differently, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I don't remember the other the next episode he's in. I'm pretty sure every time they need someone to have a new neurotic fear, they give it to him like he's got <laughs> transporter phobia. <laughs> like, that's true. He's got He's scared of being on the transporter, and they do a whole mm. episode about that. Mm. And it's just like they keep going to him for the, you know... There's something wrong with this guy the one, episode. The one and of course, he's guy. also got the extremely rare, rare I am afraid of de-evolving into a spider syndrome. Yeah, hopefully that never <laughs> happens, because, Jesus, that's the, this is a nightmare every night. <laughs> um, I had in my notes here, this reminded me, the, it's the cold open, where just Barkley's, the, you know, the, the king shit of, um, of Ten Forward, reminded me <laughs> of the Jonathan episode of Buffy. Where, yes. Uh, and if you haven't seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um... There's this minor character who's way in the background for, I don't know, three or four seasons. And yeah. suddenly he's like James Bond and everyone loves him and the women are falling all over him. And the men are just like, you know, losing fights to him. And, yeah. and it's this great fake out. And, no, and they, they do a great thing where they actually have him in the in the opening credits. Yes, <laughs> they didn't go that he, far with this, but it would have been great if they had. That yeah. would have been fucking awesome. Yeah. But, planet, uh, planet, planet Barkley. Uh, astro- you know, the, yeah, we've we've arrived Barclay at the at, at system Barclay three. We're gonna uh, <laughs> we're gonna shoot. We're gonna run a low level the sp- 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 space. The fi- fi- final. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would Bar- be awful. Bar- no, because when he's in there, it's fine. <laughs> These are the v- v- oh, the credits are done. <laughs> um, there, there was I think we mentioned the, uh, the the whole Riker height thing in that beginning mm-hmm. scene especially right. it's it's more subtle where there's like lifts in the shoes or it's angles or something sure. but he stands at the same height as Riker and then you go back out into the real world and Riker's like a whole foot taller than him or... yeah that's nice and it's very subtle yeah I didn't notice it until the second time I didn't no. notice it until you pointed it out <laughs> yeah I didn't either I, I, I didn't notice the height differential I did notice I did notice that um, when when he he has to have his hand around his neck. Uh, 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 Frakes had Frakes has to force it a little bit. Like he has to push himself into his arms um, in the in the in the opening bar scene, uh, rather than uh, Schultz. It didn't look like Schultz took him. It looks like Bark so, Bar, uh, 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 Frakes sort of fell into his fell arms into and his forced fist. himself to stay there. Oh, I gotcha. um, so that, the height differential is definitely apparent. You know, yeah, they they had to they had to compensate yeah. for that somehow, and it didn't quite work. Yeah, yeah, just in yeah. that in that particular scene. I um I really think and and this is becoming more apparent to me. I am not crazy about Marina Sirtis half the time, and a lot of that's the writing. But when you give her a comedy episode like this, I think she right. does really well. She does. Yeah, she was adorable in this. And one. She was, and and both as Hollow Troy and as real Troy reacting to Hollow Troy, there <laughs> yep, were, there were right. a lot of good moments, and I think she sold them all. It's it's when we have to take her seriously, you know, pain. Ugh. Shut up, lady. <laughs> I, I also like uh, when Reg goes to her uh, t- to get some actual counseling. Oh yeah, right. And she is li- she is doing everything she can to give him to give him that boner. Yep. Yes, she really is, and he's uh, doing just... everything he he can to hide it from her. Yep. Yeah. 
Let me just uh, let me just lower the lights here. Oh God! <laughs> now all you have to do is listen to the sound of my voice while I run my hand up and down your genitalia. <laughs> now stare deeply into my cleavage. You're getting very mm-hmm. sleepy. No, I'm not. <laughs> no. I almost came, and I'm not talking about Riker. I'm talking about you. You're just talking now, Matt. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> While you're walking. Matt does a killer counselor Troy for that. <laughs> yes. God, stop. Pain. <laughs> I actually have a note here. Seriously, how many Counselor Troy fuck programs do you think there are on the holiday? <laughs> I bet at least 30% on, of on them are just that. one that they have? Well, I, I just, I assume most crew members, uh, you know, uh, male and gay female, mm-hmm. are going in there and dreaming about fucking Troy. Like, that it's, just mm-hmm. seems obvious to me. It's 95% on all of the other holodecks, but it's 100 on the large print holodeck that we discussed. <laughs> <laughs> you really want to get in there and see the detail. <laughs> Betazoid pores are just beautiful. Sadly, only three for Worf. <laughs> and one guy. of them is himself. <laughs> oh, Christ. And of There's course, no honor in masturbation. Of course, Jordy uh, goes to Guinan for insight and not Troy because he wants actual answers. Mm-hmm. That again falls back to Troy. Not very good at her job. Just good at being, you know, she'd just be comic relief, I think, or sexy lady. Well, and I would also like to point out that he really can't because, like, she's Barkley's therapist. I suppose that's true. But he, she, she really could, can't discuss it. She could give general advice to Jordy about how to handle a difficult employee, though. That's true, yeah. And he doesn't go to, he goes to Guinan because Guinan knows what's what. Do you think in the future they've solved uh, patient-client confidentiality? Do you think they've, like, cured it? Oh, yeah, that could be. <laughs> oh, so, sure. So that maybe he could actually go to the therapist and just... They found the discretion gene and got rid of it? Totally. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, you guys. You need to hear what Barkley was telling us <laughs> about his therapy session. Okay. I really that hope the... is nuts. I really hope the Enterprise doesn't have a message board, because that's, uh, <laughs> that's not cool. Uh, they have a Warcraft message board. Yeah, of course. To uh, <laughs> I, I don't know Warcraft. I was going to make some Warcraft reference, and I... I reference not found. <laughs> no idea. Yes. Just reminds me of the actual Enterprise message board in Spock's world. Yeah, that was there was a whole thing like it was written in like eighty eight or eighty nine somewhere when BBSs were just starting, mm-hmm. and there's this whole thread about anonymous message board on the Enterprise, and Kirk keeps looking at it to see what the you know what the crew morale is like, and uh, the crew keeps trolling me. Yeah, what the hell, man? And I don't know what that means. <laughs> Why are they so obsessed with cats, Spock? Can you explain this to me, please? <laughs> no, it's it's just cute to see Star Trek dealing with, you know, contemporary problems that do not age well at all. Yeah. Right, right. And fortunately, this holodeck thing is, is I think, universal enough that uh, that, that doesn't if fall anything, into that. It's become more relevant over the years. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it, it, it always, you know, there's always a, a danger of being uh, sucked into entertainment and, and mm-hmm. you know, escapism. I mean, with books, with TV, with, you know, computers, it doesn't really matter. It's all yep. a certain kind of person is always going to go down that rabbit hole, I think. Um, so what else? I think that's, that's all I got. Do you guys have any further? Oh, uh, Guinan's, Guinan's hat. Oh yeah. We need to talk about Guinan's clown hat. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, she's got the big hats as, as usual, but in Uh this one, she's in this awful yellow orange outfit and and the hat she's got has these weird, I don't know, slinky properties, maybe. (laughs) You said it best when you said it looked like a koosh ball. Well, it looked like the whole outfit was made of koosh, but, but the actual hat had she this gets, weird sort of sliding back and forth when she moved her head thing. Right. She uh, and and near the end of her her second scene, I think it's her final scene in the episode, she uh-huh. she gets a particular bit of sass in her head and and <laughs> shakes it and uh 
and she actually provides uh, uh, ventilation to most of that deck. Uh, <laughs> you can actually see the guys with facial hair, like their their faces, their, their hairs are moving back and forth. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, Christ. Also, Wes- like it, act- it actually try- tries to take flight at one point. <laughs> also, Wesley uh, was in the Dutch Boy paint mask. Oh, Dutch Boy, that's what in, it was. Uh, trying in, to think of what that was in the holodeck as 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 Barkley. Uh, Right. Imagined him. I don't know why that was, but it, it, it was funny. And eating pie, I, I, I kind of feel like there's a Mother Goose rhyme that, that might satisfy That's, um, Sticking his the, thumb in a pie the, the or finger, something like that? Yeah, I the, don't know. The Dutch, boy, the Dutch boy with his finger in the dike, did he, is, there, is there pie involved in that? I don't know. But it's no, the, I know which one you mean, though. Um, oh, it's going to bug me. <laughs> I thought Blackbirds? I, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. not Stuck sure. in his thumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's. I think I'm, I'm mashing up two of them, maybe. That could very well. I don't know. I, I feel like um, he was just trying to, to uh, do something as undignified as possible. Right. Fucking Barkley hates Wesley. Well, awesome. I would too. <laughs> if, if really, if one of my senior boss's kid yep. was hanging around and telling me how to do my job, I would not like that. No, we talked about this when Wesley first started showing up on the bridge. Like, the dude whose shifts he took must have been pissed. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. He's an acting ensign, which is an officer rank. Technically, he can boss Chief O'Brien around. Because Chief O'Brien is enlisted. Yeah. Try that once. You won't do it again. Well, <laughs> technically, O'Brien has to take orders from officers, and technically, Wesley's an officer. <laughs> He'll box your ears. <laughs> Hopefully. By which I mean he will cut your ears off and put them in a box. Don, Don King will get involved. Oh, are you? De- oh, I see. I see. He yeah. will fight your ears. I thought. No, yes, no. exactly. All right. Any further business, or shall we press on? I think uh, we shall press on like nails. Uh, yes. Very nice. Um, you got a quote for us, Chris? I do. Uh, I wanted to uh, underline the ridiculousness of. Uh, Barkley's fantasies, so I took a quote from right in the beginning of the episode. Uh, it is when he first starts to manhandle Jordy, uh, and it starts like this. Look, pal, why don't you do me a favor? Take yourself and your holier-than-thou attitude and get out of my life. Very nice. Of course, manhandling Jordy does not take much. I mean, you know, <laughs> Wesley could probably take I him. Do, I do love the way he stands up and runs away. Yeah, yes. no, I, I totally agree with that. And we've seen Jordy like he's not a fighter and he is sort of the, the wimpy little engineering nerd. But when and something happens in engineering, he does try to do something. He's run. not very effective at it, but he's not a coward. I, I, no, I've never seen him run away. No, no he's, he's just a weak little man. That's all. I also like the, mm. the sort of Jim Carrey-esque delivery of, the, of that particular one, uh, which is <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, like, I, I don't think Jim Carrey was enough of a thing for him to be channeling him yet, but there's no, definitely no, no, the no. same sort of yeah. vibe going on there, I think. I'm not suggesting any thievery or, or inspiration. Now. Oh, I'm no, no, but it, yeah, not even thievery, stuff. just the sort of the pop culture zeitgeist where, you know, certain things are in favor and certain people lean in that way. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, think of in the 90s how many cartoon characters had the voice of Rain Man. <laughs> That's not necessarily yeah. thievery. It's just sort of the way the wind was blowing. You know, I mean, I think it was eight hundred fifty-four. Definitely, definitely two. I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> All right, pressing on to uh, the episode I didn't like so much, but you guys disagree with me. The, yep. the most toys, Matt. Take it away. All right. 
So the water on some planet or other is poisoned or hard or something, and the Enterprise is buying a shipment of Quadro Triticale from stra space trader and professional mincer Fajo in its weekly usual attempt to save some planet or something from something. During the shipment of the Quadro Triticale, Data's shuttle explodes, presumably along with Data. Geordi, having seen Nemesis, knows his data won't explode for at least a few more years and begins a search for him. Unfortunately, this needs to be done at the poison planet I was just talking about, so the Enterprise splits. Meanwhile, Data is not dead, but is in fact a prisoner of Fajo in his fancy-ass accusing parlor surrounded by all the finest treasures in all the world. The Mona Lisa, the melting clock dolly picture, the baseball card, the universe's fakest hand puppet. Oh god. What follows is a fascinating episode as Data does the whole non-aggressive rebellion thing that Gandhi was so fond of, and Fajo becomes more and more enraged. Finally, after Data spoils Fajo's big party with the most disgusting alien that Trek has ever featured <laughs> by being dull and falling over like a champ, Fajo threatens to kill one of his crew every hour for every chair that Data doesn't sit in, starting with his flat-faced girlfriend of 14 years. Data sits in the damn chair and finds it reasonably comfortable, much to his annoyance. Irritated by Fajo's attempt to murder her, as we would all be, Fajo's girlfriend helps Data bust out of jail by digging a hole behind the universe's last Rita Hayward poster. And when that doesn't work, stealing a shuttle. Somewhere Worf is irritated and has no idea why. In the process of escaping, Fajo catches up with them and vaporizes the shit out of his girlfriend with the universe's last Pano Death Ray TM new from Acme. Data pulls the gun on Fajo, and Fajo mocks him about how Data can't harm him due to that whole Asimov thing. So Data shoots him only to be beaten to back to the Enterprise at the last minute, because Jordy found him. You would be shocked how hard a guy will work when he realizes that with Data gone, Jordy's default best friend is Wesley. <laughs> Very nice. So let's just uh, go with your good thing, bad thing here. All right. Uh, my good thing, Fajo's speech at the end of the episode sums up everything I hate about him. <laughs> and having Data, like, pull the trigger, trigger on him and just decide to kill him is friggin' awesome. Well, let's let's talk about that speech a little bit. Like, I don't I don't think you specifically uh, mentioned that in your summary. What is, what is, what is the speech? There, there's this great moment where uh, Fajo goes on and on about how Data is not a real person and he doesn't have emotions mm -hmm. and he won't... He, he can't kill Fajo because, like, Fajo's not currently threatening him. Right. Or, you know, another person. Yeah, he basically, he basically sets up the parameters of the cage that he has him in. Right. Even, yeah. Even, you know, uh, 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 figuratively, figuratively speaking. And, uh, right, he's and got him, he's got him Dana, trapped logically. He's, he's run rings yeah. around him logically. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just like, this is what I'm going to do, and there's nothing you can no, do about I've it. Thunk you and, and there's this great shot of Data doing that Brent Spiner thing where he's doing the... the uh, like yeah, he does the head ticks, and then he, and then it goes faster, like he's trying to do more calculations or something. And right, this is right. really good miming there. Right. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And he finally like he gets beamed off just as he's about to pull the trigger. And they while he's in transport, uh, O'Brien's talking about how you know a weapon was discharged during the transport, and mm -hmm. he's going to filter it out because apparently you can do that. Yep. And you know when he gets there, uh, I think it was Riker. It's like, oh, your gun went off in between, and mm -hmm. Data's like, I don't know what that could possibly be. Yeah, like, what? Really? Huh. What a, uh, what a thing to happen. <laughs> no, and I didn't like the ambiguity of that, but uh, I think we were we, we all were reading that uh, Brent Spiner said, no, he definitely shot him. Yeah. Right. No, uh, th there's actually, th like, someone working on the show wussed out at the last minute. It was like, we can't have Data murder a guy. Right. Sure you can. I, yeah, you can, because he's horrible. I bet I know who someone was. <laughs> 
I like to picture Data's uh, computations when he's going through Fajo's speech as as that scene in War Games where the the you know the, the, <laughs> the, the only way to is not to play Chris. right. The, the computer the computer's going through all the sequences, but instead of instead of getting destruction every time, it asshole shows up on the screen and then because of the asshole. asshole. Now I'm just picturing mm-hmm. like a, a zoom into Data's head and then sort of a dissolve into his brain and just tic tac toe boards over and over and yeah. over again. Asshole. Now I don't want to watch war games. It's been years. Uh, what about your bad thing, Matt? Uh, oh my God, Fajo's buddy is so it's so fucking oh hideous. God. I would He's say like that... this weird leathery dude with like eighteen nostrils and this and like weird train set that, that goes in and out of the his top of his head and around the back. Yeah. No, it's very strange. And I would say the the overall the uh, the alien design and the makeup and the costumes in this episode are not Trek's best effort. <laughs> No, there was there was the woman that that you mentioned was his girlfriend or whatever, and uh, Chris and I uh, we couldn't figure out if she was if that was her alien design or if she was just had been abused or if she's right. just ugly. Uh, yeah, not really sure what's going on there. Like they hint at the fact that he like he's been torturing her over the yeah, years. Yeah, she points at her face. Like, well, look at this. Yeah. Well, look at what you could be an alien. I can't really look what tell. I did. <laughs> you look like a Cardassian that's been ironed. <laughs> I can't really tell if if that's just a bad alien design or if you've been hurt. I don't know. She's feral. <laughs> Terry feral? Yes, exactly. No, it looks like she was uh, like someone tried to bake her in a kiln and took her out too early. <laughs> you said you'd bake us a cake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my bad thing and, and Chris's good thing are actually sort of at odds. So I kind of wanted to, to do this sort of sure. together. I thought, I, okay, I've seen Saul Rubinek act. I know he knows how. But the prancing and mincing he does is over the top. It's almost too much over the top even for the original series, I would think. I did not like it at all, but Chris disagrees with me, so let's uh, let's discuss that. Sure, sure. I, I uh, you know, I, I did like what Rubinick did because because his evil and his, uh, uh, when, when, he, when he does show his menace, it's all about stillness. And it's all mm-hmm. about countering what, what seems to be playfulness. And I think that the more... What he was, what he was trying to do is, the more he played up uh, how excited, like a kid on Christmas morning, he was about getting a new possession, the 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 more unsettling it was when he slowed, when he not slowed down, but stopped entirely and delivered these threatening uh, uh, messages to either Data or or, or to anybody. Um, so I, I I understand the mincing is it's hard to take. It's it's. <laughs> Well, especially since this show has gone out of its way for the past three years to finally distance itself and say, we're not campy, take us seriously as a sci-fi right. show. Right. I, I, but I think the repulsiveness is, is intentional. And, I, and, I, mm-hmm. and I, I, respect your, I respect your reaction to it, but, but I, I, res, I, I, I respect what the actor was trying to do. And I think, I think it is effective. And, and I think that your reaction is valid. To, well, to that and, kind of and thing. you you kind of convinced me at least. I still don't like the mincing, but you did convince me that absolutely him shifting gears right. was pretty cool. And I came sure. to respect what he did as far as the sort of bipolar nature of suddenly like, oh god, now I'm angry, you know. And, and he yeah, did like, a good job of that. There's nothing sort of scarier than like the guy who can turn on a dime like right, that. That's right. true. It's like if we took like a like a you know like if you took like Cyrano Jones or something, mm-hmm. and then in the middle of his whole like, oh, I'm stealing alcohol. Yeah, suddenly he, he turned into Gold Dukas. In <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be insane. It's like, oh my god, what the fuck happened? Th- this would be as as good a time as any to talk about the the horrible tragedy of the guy who was supposed to play Fajo, right, right, who was right. uh, David Rappaport, who was a, a famous uh, dwarf actor in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the lead Time Bandit. He was on the show The Wizard on CBS, uh, and he was going to play this guy. And they were going to build the sets to his scale, 
and he uh, tried to off himself just as this episode was going into production. They have production stills. They apparently have some footage. And then he tried to kill himself, so they said, whoops, never mind. And then yeah. he, a couple of weeks later, succeeded and, and actually killed himself. When, when he shot, they, did, they don't call that footage. They call it itchage. Actually, when oh, you shoot, God, <laughs> I'm, God I will stop. I will stop now. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you won't. <laughs> you better not. I only pretend to dislike it. I'm, I can't do that kind of humor. So, uh... Uh, uh. oh, I'm delighted. <laughs> You're out of your depth, Matt. Uh, he had a short life. What? Oh, stop it! Stop it! Please. Please. Oh, we're horrible people, and we're we all are. <laughs> No, it's, it, we were just kind of wondering, like, what the whole, like, how awful it must be for the, I don't know, the casting director or whoever it was to discover <laughs> that this guy tried to kill himself and say, okay, well, <laughs> as Saul, we got some good news and we got some bad news. Right, right. <laughs> what are we on Star Trek? Well. I actually I actually took it uh, as is no surprise. I took it a step further and suggested that maybe, you know, uh, um, what was it, Bond? Timothy Bond was the was the mm. producer of this episode and, and, sure. and that his idea to shoot to scale. Have, See, and I thought that was a cool idea. That? I don't think we've seen mm -hmm. anything like that before. Um, might have tricked, like, like this guy had to weigh on his mind that he's going to make every other actor uncomfortable because they cast him as right. this person, and and that 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 can't have helped uh, his, his, his state of uh, his state of mind, his disposition. And uh, See, and the thing you know, is, I'm not, not going to say I... Star Trek killed David Rappaport. <laughs> but I do think the medical examiner. Should well, now somebody can pull that, that quote out of context and ex say exactly that. So Star Trek killed David Rappaport. God, I just I just picture his ghost appearing to Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> you killed me. <laughs> where Where are you? I don't see you. You're oh, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's I'm what over killed here by the bed. Maybe that's what no, killed Gene. Come to me. Because Gene dropped dead a year or two later. So maybe right. that's uh... yeah, a fear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a short just time scared later. him. Oh. Scared him right out of his sweater vest. <laughs> no, it, it just and and you had also mentioned Chris that uh, possibly being asked to represent you know literally a small man right, the, and the, figuratively a small man, the embodiment of pettiness in a, in a dwarf. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's not uh, not the most politically correct of casting no. decision. But but I, I, I and I'm totally for non politically correct casting. I'm totally no. But um, this guy spent most of his career playing you know leprechauns and like awful little <laughs> troll guys and you know this this would have been a uh, you know oh god i'm doing it now a step up he had a microphone career is what he had what's um, that <laughs> he had a microphone career. Oh. i i have to stop <laughs> and he's back i have oh, to stop i really why don't why don't we instead talk about uh, your, your bad thing chris I, okay uh i didn't you know uh the b plot first of all i, I don't know that i completely underststood uh uh, the B plot to begin with. Well, the basic uh, why, gist was why that, they were that, going. I, I now understand that it was uh, a complete setup by. Uh, yeah, Fajo set Faj up an artificial emergency so that he was the only supplier, so that they had to come to him so that he could steal data. So he could steal data. But I didn't. I didn't like the result that the because they figure out that they've been scammed. That's what led, leads them to figuring out that data was stolen. That that it no, had to be Fajo's a... sloppy crime that led them to a su sufficiently uh, 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 science fiction set that looked like, uh, you know, the SeaWorld, uh, a SeaWorld back... Uh, 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 oh, it looked like the lobby of every hotel I've been in in Orlando. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought it looked like the Indiana Jones show at, like, Disney, uh, like the <laughs> right. set for that. 
Um, but only one corner of it, because that no, thing's actually like way more vast than what we saw. Right. Whereas it looked like Jordy, Jordy was going to figure it out simply from the audio, and I, and I would have supported something like that, that he was driven mm. to, to yeah. prove that he was right. And I, I thought that that single-minded story... Yeah, of his friend it can't really be dead. Even, you know, denial driving right. him to, to find some Again, way to, you right. know, against, keep his friend alive kind of thing. Against the cynicism of the crew is a, is a stronger is a stronger right. emotional resonator than this guy fucked us. Uh, he must have stolen our, our Android crewman. Yeah, I'll buy that. Plus plus <laughs> the, the conclusion that they reach once they figured out they were tricked. There's about a 30-second scene in the conference room where they're like, well, he tricked us. Well, Data must still be alive. Well, let's go find him. Like, there were right. you know, <laughs> logical leaps where exactly. really it might have taken a little more convincing. I, I was just like, <laughs> okay, see, it's the fifth act. We better Catwoman. get moving. <laughs> My head was cold at that time, and I, I was so glad that they took it and just walked with me a little bit. Cause <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the one set of footprints, something, something, I don't know. The tiny set of footprints with the with the very small stride is where David Rappaport was carrying you. Now, the one set of footprints is when you were riding on the the hover sled thing that Barclay was trying to fix. Oh, yeah, right. there you go. Nice. And then you you wore the Michael Jackson glasses. Yes. Or gloves. Oh, gloves. Glasses. Glove. Whatever. <laughs> Same thing. He could wear both. Yeah. Sure. Um. So. My well, I covered my bad thing. My good thing is, uh, I'll agree with you to some extent on on the the mystery part of it. But the B plot, as far as watching the crew, particularly Jordy, react to Data's apparent death, I like that. I like. Mm -hmm. Oh no! I think yeah. it's a it's a good character device to show how somebody affects other people. There's a good scene between Worf and Troy, where Worf is promoted up to, to Data's job, and she's like, "This is the second time you've had to step in for someone," right. and it's great. It's great to see the way. Other characters react if someone's dead. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's a really good view of sort of how Worf like deals with that kind of thing, and it's. I, I think it was really cool that they brought that up at all. Yeah, I don't no, actually think that's how it's not really something that like first pass through a draft on this script, mm -hmm. it would not occur to me to be all like, oh hey, Warf, this is the second time Worf's taken over for someone who died. Yep. Right. That's probably a big deal for him. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's part. Or of it the, should be. I don't think that's part of the B plot. I think that's. I think that's the emotional resonance of the A plot. I, I, the, mm. the B plot is more just that they have to go away and do this other thing. But the emotional right. resonance is very strong, and I, I would agree with that. Watching the crew mourn, that mm -hmm. that what, yeah. that watching the crew have this strong reaction is what I wanted more of, and that that's where <laughs> my bad things co comes from. Is that, that they have this emotionally resonant event, and they don't they don't follow it through to even more emotionally resonant. Well, and that's it, that's going to be my my um, criticism of later seasons of Next Gen. They get way more caught up in the plot and the big sci-fi <coughs> ideas and the techno babble, and the characters just sort of take a back seat to that. And it's like, I don't care what happened to get Riker to this point. I want to see how he reacts to it. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't need to spend ten minutes explaining it to me. It show how people feel and and you know how they yeah, react. No, we each like other. these guys. We want to know what they think. We don't necessarily care. Like, yeah, exactly. We don't how like about the other stuff. It's not as big a deal. No, and you need an excuse. You need a plot to, to move it along. But really, oh, yeah. we're not watching for the tight, intricate plots. Really, right. it's Star Trek. I mean, occasionally they do some nice, complex episodes, but not very often. Right. Um. Let's see what what else we need. We need to discuss. Um, we need to discuss all kinds of stuff about Fajo's ship and his friends. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> he's got this room full of crap, right? Collectible mm -hmm. crap, crap room. Yeah, he's got paintings on the wall. He's got, as Matt said, the the, the fakest puppet ever. <laughs> oh, I love his fake puppet. It's 
just so ridiculously bad. The effect bad. was used so much better when it showed up in original Star Trek when Sulu was feeding that plant. Oh, yeah, I remember that. No, well, Audrey 2 looked way more, like, the, the yeah. early version, like, the tiny version of Audrey 2 looked way better than this thing. Like, just every... Barkley's Michael Jackson glove was a more effective <laughs> alien puppet. It made, the, it made the Dark Crystal look like Avatar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen the Dark Crystal. I need oh. to get around to that at some point. No, 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 you don't. Um, no, 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 no. But no, it was, it was just awful, and I, they kept... Like, if they'd shown it from a distance or if they made the, the, the glass foggy, I mean, they could have covered for mm-hmm. it somehow. But nope, mm-hmm. there it is. Look at it. And when when the HD, you know, when the Blu-rays come out, I'm probably going to be able to see the guy's hand in there. Why, well, that's the last puppet in existence, Data. <laughs> it's I, from Planet Faux Fake 4. <laughs> but I mean, no, he, he's, he's got the Mona Lisa because, of course, he does. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's got a baseball card because you got to shoehorn in baseball any chance you can get. Right. Yep, Star Trek baseball. Because uh-huh. they're clearly speaking to their audience. I didn't I, – I didn't uh, – I didn't – appreciate that uh, he just sort of tosses off Dolly when he's referring to the the melted watch persistence of memory of Dolly's. Mm-hmm. This is this is a guy from, this is an alien. He's not human. Right. And for him to you know, that's that, he's throwing a softball to the audience like, Dolly as if Dolly, you know, the, 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 the assumption. Everyone knows that he is 300 years in the future across the, yeah. By mm-hmm. what, you know, whatever, is this what, the 23rd century we're in? I, I'm not, uh, I'm not 24th, sure where we are. I think we're in 23rd. I can never remember. No, the 23rd is the original series. This is the 24th. Right, okay, so 24th. 24th. Okay, so, so he just. 400 years ahead from when the episode was created. Right. You, you should have, you should have, he should have referred to something that we don't know as offhand. Right. Like, mm-hmm. this is, and that's, that's usually Star Trek's move, is to right. say, here are two names you recognize and a third alien name because, hey, we're in the future. Right, right. But I would see what I would have liked was if they had said something like Dolly of Earth, right? You know? Or just just name the painting, name, give it the yeah. full thing in, in case you're not familiar, and then and then go to something else that's clearly alien, right? Mm-hmm. And, and assume everyone knows. And what assume it is. that one yeah. is the one that everybody knows. That's that's what I'm getting at. Right. No, I get you. There. No, because you're right. Because there there's, there are no humans at all on that ship. Right. Yep. Uh, unless unless that woman with the melted face is human. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> Maybe they were going for the Dolly effect of the melting clock with her face. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain a whole lot. Uh, that would have been the disruption of memory. <laughs> God, it's like she, it, it's like ni- the Nicholson Joker put that like mask on her face. Or, or the, the, Twilight the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. I want to look at the paintings. The Twilight Zone with mm-hmm. all the, uh, the the people are ugly. Oh, the pig and they, people. And they, you, you know what, what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Where, oh, the pig people. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Well, that uh, that one guy that showed up with the with the railroad set in his head that uh, <laughs> he was kind of a big person, I suppose. <laughs> oh man. Oh, God. and he just starts picking his nose. <laughs> yeah, he uh, so obviously just reaches into one of those one of those orifices on his face. Like, really? Oh my God. I like to think that we're all the same. Ten percent of his available nostrils that, that he had, <laughs> oh. that, that they were everywhere. That guy must get so much oxygen, right? Meet the man with eighty-seven orifices, <laughs> all of them in his face. What? Oh, his what anus kind of, is in there somewhere. What kind of drag yeah. to lift ratio do you think he gets with that kind of ventilation? <laughs> he whistles when he runs, <laughs> <laughs> like a wiffle ball from the wiffle planet. Yes. He's a human flute, or uh, rather, an alien flute, right? But yeah, you got him, and then Fajo, who has a ridiculous red velvet beanie. He looks like Cardinal Richelieu. <laughs> kind of a, oh, and this is the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, I didn't expect to see that. 
and it, it's just not good. And then, of course, Melty Face Lady, and mm. none of the aliens are great. Like, a few weeks ago when we did the one with Vishal where the uh, cards locked in the room with those guys, I thought the, the alien design was particularly good in that one. Yep. And this is the other side of that coin where they just sort of phone it in. Uh, yeah. Forehead bumps, I don't know. This guy had lip bumps. Yep. It was like the Bajoran for, uh, nose wrinkles, only it was on his upper lip. Right. Mm. Just he, uh, not good. Yeah. Just really the shittiest, like, the shittiest alien makeup mm. you could get. Yeah, and this was, I mean, really, apart from the terrible uh, planet they beamed down to for ten seconds, mm. you're on the Enterprise and you're on one set on Fajro's ship, and that's basically it. Where did the budget yeah. go? Right. It's right. not like they spent it, you know, going Saul on Rubinick. location. Oh, man, it all it all went into that hand puppet. <laughs> Saul Rubinick, who is now uh, a television actor on, uh, I believe, on Warehouse 13, was only a movie actor, only a movie character. Maybe that is where it went. Possibly, but I, I don't know, because I seem to recall reading that he agreed to work for scale or something, but maybe not. I don't know. Is it, is it possible to reshoot because of Rappaport cost, oh, that cost could them be. some money? Yeah, that could be. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure, but um, usually when it's like um, when you see some big incredible thing in one part of the episode, is like okay, well that that's why something else is cheap because they obviously yeah. spent all the money here. Maybe they were just saving like saving up money for best of both worlds because that's only going to be in a couple weeks now. Maybe oh, that was, yes, that's true. Yeah, you know. I, I wanted to say that they uh, they took Walter Matthau's uh, under eye bags and, and made it Fajo's mustache. That's that's, <laughs> that's horrible. Give me my eye bags back. <laughs> My Walter Matthau is <laughs> the last eye the, the last eye bags in existence. <laughs> My Walter Matthau is just original Homer. Let's go out for frosted chocolate milkshakes, boy. My My Walter hey, Matthau. I imagine the if I if if I wanted to do Walter Matthau, it would sound like Richard Dreyfuss doing W. C. Fields in uh, Jaws, <laughs> which nice. is. Uh, I, I don't even remember what he says. I got to go back to Philadelphia. Mm. <laughs> I bet Matt remembers because Jaws. Yeah. But I'm going back to Philadelphia. Or, Is that what he or, says? Uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the Sausage King of Chicago. In oh, Abe Froman? Oh, God. Same idea. Um, same idea. Well, I should say you do. <laughs> oh, no. That's um, that's not the Sausage That's um, George Peterson. George Peterson. <laughs> Mr. Rooney, this is George Peterson. <laughs> my, my childhood neighbor. <laughs> and that guy that? ended up being the uh, captain of the Enterprise B, to bring it back to Star Trek. Excellent. Yep. The ineffectual captain of the Enterprise B. Yep. Cameron. Uh, so what else do we got here? Um, uh, oh, um, we got the fir- the appearance of the shuttlecraft Pike. Oh, yeah, that was right. nice. <laughs> Which led me to think, okay, when it blew up, is it going to have to limp back to the uh, the Enterprise in a, in a wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. Yeah, we're we're really working in all the horrible, uh, tasteless jokes this week. Mm, well, we're filming late tonight. Yeah. Well, that and you know, I, I I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. Chris is a bad influence. It's true. It's true. I, uh, I got this is Pa After Dark. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's always dark in my closet, Matt. Speaking of oh, speaking yes. of After Dark, um, the acid removing the clothes. Let's. Uh... Uh, oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. obviously some about... sort of fangirl projection there. I'm, I'm pretty sure our, our friend Tedro wrote this up part of the episode because yeah, he just throws a vial on Data and oh, it's fine to your skin, but uh, and he pauses like skin, but uh, it, it'll melt your clothes away and you'll just be naked. Like right. yeah, all right. So. Saul was definitely uh, a few times just to, to go to that specific line. Definitely channeling Shatner. Uh, oh yeah, there was a lot of there's that. There's one time he yeah. sits Roughness. and he puts his leg up, and you're like, I- <laughs> "I've seen that before." What? And then and then he's he's doing that paused speech that 
you know, faux Shakespearean that, that Shatner has. And like, right. He's... He's doing Shatner for sure, and and he came on as a, as a fan of Trek, and right. it's possible that that's <laughs> that's the Trek he was a fan of, which might be why he minced it up a little more than you know, yeah, mm-hmm. than maybe he could have because hey, this is how they act on Star Trek, right? Yeah, he went into the Gorshin sphere for definite. <laughs> I know. I notice when you. I notice none of your characters take huge gaps between their words. Uh, I'd like to throw my hat into the ring. Yeah, listen, right. you guys are great with this new little relaunch thing, but uh, Trek is missing this vital. Uh, element yeah that, uh, it's like paprika it's like you're missing the paprika i'm gonna bring yeah, the exactly paprika. let me just let me just get in here a sec and fix the soup for you there <laughs> there you go i saw how much you dragged out uh, the last episode with uh barclay's uh stutter i think i can help yeah, let me present a, a, an alternative to that <laughs> all right any all right. further business uh, uh oh and uh the data's last bit of business at the end of the episode oh, yes, oh his nice little gloating to to uh fajo as he's in the cage yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. And I, I love, uh, I love, Fa- uh, like Fajo. Like Fajo does not care about anything until he finds out that all his sh- all his stuff is being returned to the guys he stole it from. Yep. He's like, oh, oh, that sucks. And you, you must oh. be happy about this. Nope. Right. <laughs> nope. Just an android. And like that was a nice no play. Emotions. We keep seeing things where bad things happen, and like Data, you must be sad, or you know, something happens. That you have, like a girl kisses him. Data, you must be so excited. Nope. And this is a nice play on that. A new, different twist. I really wish his delivery when people asked him that was just, nope. Katie, <laughs> <laughs> your daughter's di- died. Aren't you sad? Nope. Uh, uh. No, I could go with the with the uh, archer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Jordy. Jordy! Danger zone. <laughs> Does this mean the Enterprise is going to get ants? <laughs> ants? Is that you how mean, you get ants, Data? You mean ants like in Dolly's painting? Um, so Matt, you got a quote for us. Yes, I don't think it needs any setup whatsoever. Very well. <laughs> I should point out, not that I'm going to provide any, any uh, retroactive context there, but I will say, um, when presented with that same situation, Fajo, rather than going lululululu, went, uh, uh, what was it, beady, beady, beady. Which is just delightful. Mm. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for being on. Thank you for doing this twice. Really appreciate yeah. it. Oh, no. I, uh, I'm i hoping that I this is damaged enough that I have to do it a third time. <laughs> or we could just bring you back for a different episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be good, That's too. always an option, too, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got we got a lot more to do, and uh, we're, we're going to need some help when we get to Voyager, and we're going to need that Kate Mulgrew impression yeah, of yours. Excellent. So, uh, excellent. I'll yeah. be waiting. <laughs> Well, I do you just also, have helium you, on standby there? How the hell do you do that? I don't know how I do it. The Cardassians. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Well, that's a little sooner then. Good. Dude, never forget his Cisco. <laughs> it's just Cisco's My not as funny to me. Ever. I love Cisco. Cisco's not as funny to me. He kind of pointed out to me how Cisco is funny. It, I never, it never occurs to me. Whereas, thumb, 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 thumb. I can thumb. see it in my mind. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Wow, I I really I it's so depressing that that uh that YouTube video does not have him going. I went down to the where, at, you know, Dolores Claiborne Theater. <laughs> what did he? What happened? What? Who did he ask? Did he just answer <laughs> did he, himself? Uh, did he do that on the uh, in, on the captain's documentary? Uh no no it was only in a in a live interview where where nobody could tap him on the shoulder and say. Um, don't do that because it's creeping everybody the fuck out and Larry doesn't oh. know what the hell's going on. Uh, that's the only time I've ever seen him do it. But but I've talked to other people that have that saw that interview whole and, and 
it's the best moment when, of course, as as you know, when Larry King gets befuddled, it's it's oh, just yeah. gold. But he doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just you know he's got no. Who are you talking to? This you know it's clearly an actor's tick that 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 Avery Brooks. <laughs> it's a has. simple actor's tick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that time you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, I did. <sighs> you came up short, Matt. <laughs> All right, gents. And with that, we're gonna leave now. Matt, say your thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.